0: This is the biggest illegal gathering I've ever seen.
1: The time had just come when I had been pushed as far as I could stand to be pushed.
0: And I agree. We are going to change South Africa.
1: When you hear the word advocacy, what comes to mind? Advocacy is an activity that is quite different for every climb and could even take decades to produce lasting effect. We often have questions like, why bother about advocacy? What if the people you fight for do not really care? And how can we engage in self-advocacy? Welcome to a new episode of Strain View, the show about our social culture and behavior. In today's episode, I sit in conversation with Deja to explore the borders of advocacy. Deja is one of the most incredible social advocates I know, and Deja is an advocate for social change and mental wellness. She publishes deeply insightful stories on her blog, An Insightful Journey, and actively partakes in courses targeted at improving our social culture. She shares the life journey of others on her blog called An Insightful Journey. You can find her on Instagram at aninsightfuljourney underscore. Please join me to enjoy a deeply enlightening conversation with Deja. Let's dive in. Hi Deja. Good morning. How uh, are you? I am
0: fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited
2: for today. I've been really looking forward to it.
0: I think I'm much more excited than you are. And really? <laughs> yes. And let me just say good morning because I know it's morning over there. Hope hope um, you are feeling all right and thank you for this time. Yeah. Of course. Of
2: course. Is, what is it over there? It's afternoon, right?
0: Yes, it is good afternoon. I love what you do I've told you countless times and I appreciate even what you do because it's so essential so critical for our times and I have watched a couple of interviews you've had with people and I would go into details on the one that I found I connected a lot with but before I do I I know that there's always a personal story behind being an advocate. So I'd like to know your story, what's your story? What drove you into becoming an advocate for you know, social change and mental health?
2: Yeah, um, well, being an advocate for mental health specifically came from just growing up. I was given a unique set of circumstances as a young person. And as we go through the interview, I'll talk a little bit more about my advocacy um, in my community and how interconnected that was to my real life experiences and truly the extensive trauma that came from those experiences. And as I've gone older, I've just realized how much those experiences were impacting my mental health then and now. And I just hope to bring awareness to mental health challenges. I'm beginning to break down the barriers that prevent individuals from receiving the proper treatment they need and becoming aware of the impact of those experiences so they can deal with them early. Because I think what typically happens is a lot of our life experiences when we're young people are truly out of our control, Mm -hmm. but they determine a lot of the direction our life goes. And if we could just break down the barriers, which is like stigmatization, access, things of that nature, if we can break down those things, I believe that people will be able to receive treatment and also just receive like knowledge that they even have something going on early on and we can prevent um, some of the true mental health challenges that people are going through. And so I asked myself, how can I show up and make a difference um, outside of breaking down these barriers? And my answer is just you know, to advocate, to educate, resource, research, and collaborate. And those are like my main goals as an insightful journey and I've set, myself, um, I've, I've set myself up to basically engage in these different ways and every time it looks different and every time I've, I can see just the power in whatever it is that I'm doing and how it's making a difference and how individuals are really um, thankful for the opportunity to delve into what it is that they've been through and what they're going through.
0: And when did you start this journey?
2: Yeah, well, I, I would say like throughout college, I did a lot of peer mentoring with uh, first year students. And so I really started to see um, as a first year student, just how much it affects you to grow up in a space and then leave that space and try and um, basically journey on in your life. And so it was at that time that I began mentoring people and and hearing people's stories. And then as I've gotten older, um, as far as like after college and experiencing the real world, uh, I guess you could say, um, I essentially started opening up to um, more people in my life and realizing that people wanted to talk about what it was that they were going through. And Mm -hmm. so An Insightful Journey was established in June of this year, Uh, but it's definitely something that I have been passionate about and that I've I've held close to my heart for a long time. And so I finally just put a title on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, talking about building something based on something you have been very interested in, and before I even go into this, there was something you said about how a lot of the way we become as young people is because of what we were faced with uh, growing up and I believe that that is so true and I feel like it's also so true for a lot of things a lot of economic situations as well apart from you know personal growth and that really hits me because I people we barely or rarely do not look at how the things that we are individually doing today are affecting every other thing around us or affecting the future, the coming generation and you know how they also become. So yeah, I I really like that you said that. And and one of the things that one of your interviews, I believe it was one with Simone, she had a terrible work experience. Yeah, that was Simone. And I really liked that conversation for several reasons. And I was actually shocked by a lot of things she said. I was actually really shocked because I didn't expect those things to be happening in this decade or in the past decade even, because sometimes we think that we are past, you know, certain societal norms, but we really aren't. And when she talked about being being discriminated at her workplace, I it was really shocking to me, and it was really uh, insightful. Yeah, it was really insightful learning that these things still happen, and they happen to everyday people. They happen in spaces where we can't necessarily see these things. And you know, she talked about having to stand up for herself, having having to speak up for herself, having to take. Action for herself and also be hopeful as a person that, you know, a better opportunity would also come up and, you know, when we are fighting for something, when we are advocating for something, the truth is we seek to establish a new kind of truth and, you know, something new, something better to us. But in doing this, it means there's a whole different side that needs to accept this new truth. There's a whole different side that has already formed you know an opinion and they are sticking with it and acting on it. So you know as individuals trying to break barriers trying to get the other side to think like us to accept our truth how do you get them to stop believing in their truth and accept your truth as the advocate? yeah
2: I, I would say for this it really um my answer is is definitely it's a very unique answer and i just want to give you some background um in regards to some of my community work that i've done mm-hmm. with advocacy and how that's kind of fueled my answer to this question
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, so growing up i lived in a housing complex and i was a part of a youth group and one of the most impactful, powerful questions I've ever been asked is what can we do to fix the problems in our community? And that was the question of of our mentor um, of the youth group. And our mentor's name was Hillary Bass. And I was only eight years old when I was asked this question, but this question led to a lot of thinking. It led to conversation, it led to planning and action amongst us youth that were in that basement that day. And so what what it led to essentially is conducting 800 surveys. We discovered that youth felt like in order to um, fix these problems, we had to figure out what we were gonna do to fix the, the true issue, which is that everyone in the community was bored. And that's what the leading cause of violence was. And when we asked what the solution would be, we asked these people who were saying, okay, we're just bored, they said, We said, what, well, what is the solution? And the majority of them, they wanted a place to go. Uh, And so we essentially, we talked a lot about a youth center. And at that point we began attending community meetings, sacrificing our free time, we wrote speeches, we presented them to groups of adults and leaders that were unaccustomed to youth leadership and rarely agreed with us. And I want to remind you, I was eight years old when this started.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so grow, So growing up as as a young person, i mean eight years old, going into rooms with a lot of superior people um, and people who had authority who didn 't necessarily agree with us um, was it was challenging, but we never gave up and After three years of those meetings, we had convinced our community to vote for a youth center, and it was it was funded by Alameda County. And from there, as youth, we were able to start meeting with architects and we got to plan and prepare for, for building the youth center. And this planning process, it took six years and I was there for every step. Um, and so were the youth that originally had started it. We were all together in this and on April 29th of 2013, the Reach Ashton Youth Center doors opened. And so all that, that hard work um, and all that time we spent really putting our words together and our beliefs and um, our true life experiences into our speeches and into our conversations with people who had authority, we were able to see something come, come to life. And um, the thing about your question is that I do not believe in telling your truth to change someone's mind. I don't think any of the people that actually voted for the youth center had a, a, a full change of heart or a change of mind. I just believe that when you disclose your reality um, to new passionate and critical thinkers, that they'll hear you and they'll use what they learn to make decisions. And the greatest minds of our next generation are those who listen and those who learn to make decisions with a wise mind. And mm-hmm. truly the idea of a wise mind comes from um, a Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Skill by Marsha M. Linham, which she's an American psychologist and author, but um, there's this idea of three mindsets. Um, and so there's emotional mind, which is when your thoughts and behaviors are controlled mostly by your emotions. There's reasonable mind where approaching things, in, you're approaching things intellectually, you're thinking logically, you're planning, and are focused on empirical facts. And so you typically see people, Uh, resonate with one or the other but the truth is we want to have a wise mind. We want to see these two minds overlap. This is when things bigger than ourselves come together and you can think of it as like a Venn diagram when there's like a perfect overlap and the things that share commonality are happening. It's sort of like intuition, a feeling of knowing what is right and the right thing to do or the right way things should be. It's usually when you're centered and balanced and it looks out for long-term best interest. It helps you make decisions, whether it's favorable to, you know, to everybody else around you. And so I think when you, when you tell your truth, people are able to, you know, people who are open to it, not everyone will always agree with you, but people who are open to, to thinking and people who are new thinkers and who are passionate and who wanna think critically about an issue, they'll open up to your ideas. And they'll hear you out and they'll make the best decision based on their intuition. And I do believe that people have, um, you know, most people have good judgment when it comes to intuition.
0: Mm. So the key is really just taking action and telling your truth. And, you know, the key isn't necessarily trying to change anybody's mind, but rather disclosing your reality, telling your truth and those who are open-minded enough to listen will listen. But what if you are in an environment where, you know, there aren't a lot of open-minded people and usually when you require change, it has to be someone who has authority to make this change. That person has to be able to listen to you. So what if you do not have access or you have access but these people do not listen? How do you navigate that?
2: I would definitely say it's, it's really just you—you you can't waste your time, if that makes sense. I—I I, that's a hard one because you would want someone to to hear you out, and you want you want them some to someone to at least give your ideas and and beliefs a little bit of time and and um and thought, right? But the reality is you're not always going to get that kind of result from people. You're not going to people aren't going to always want to listen to what you have to say or um, think about it for any time longer than than hearing you speak it. Mm -hmm. And so I would I would say you just you have to move on. You have to you have to look for those people who are willing to listen. Those people who do have authority and that are in leadership that want to make a difference. And when you get those opportunities to talk to those people, that's when you want to really hone in and you want to talk about exactly what it is that you want to see changed. And having like people that believe in that as well, I think I believe in the power of, of many people. Mm-hmm. And if you could create like a group of people who agree with the things that you agree with and, and y'all can all show up and share that reality and share that truth. Yeah, I think that that holds a lot of power when we're talking about speaking to authoritarian or authority figures and people who have power.
0: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. There is a, there's power in community when people come together and decide that they want things to be different, actually take action on it. And it's seen in every space in our lives. Both in society, both in workplaces. Usually, community coming together as a group really makes changes to happen. Yeah, and that was deeply insightful. And, you know, advocacy often seems like creating awareness. And we know that when awareness is taken out, when it is reduced or it becomes redundant in our environment, it holds little or no value on the long run. So, how is advocacy any different from temporary awareness
2: yeah i will answer this question um, by re- revisiting my personal statement when i was applying to college as an undergrad um, i wrote in my personal statement something that's stuck with me ever since and that was in like 2013 that i was applying so I want to read this little snippet and then I'll, I'll go ahead and answer that question. But I wrote, the world that I come from is one that has been filled with violence while growing up. I've always wanted to help everyone. I wanted to wave my hand around the circumference of my world and with the spell of revolution, my world is suddenly missing the hatred, devastation and violence. And the reason why this is stuck with me is because it's so true when it comes to, um, you know, advocacy right and how is this different than temporary awareness I think you realize what it is that is important to you and you realize you have a greater purpose and every for for everyone purpose looks different but for me that purpose is to fulfill what what my passion what I'm passionate about and it's being willing to fulfill something you're passionate about Even though it can make you and it can break you. And so I think when there's temporary awareness happening is something that you're not willing to live and die for. If, if that makes sense. I I think that's really, those are strong words, but it's true. If, if you're not willing to embark on a journey, that's going to be difficult. Um, but that truly serves a meaning in your heart and in your, your mind. And then, then it is temporary awareness. Right? So, the difference is just is believing in something, Um, you know, the work that I do, I call it my passion project. And it's something that I hold close to my heart. I order my days to further that purpose, which is to make a difference in my community, to Mm -hmm. emphasize mental health and to help all individuals and groups and communities, especially when they're marginalized, because you don't see um, assistance in those places very often. And so, yeah, I think that's the difference, being able to know that this is something that you really believe in and that you're, you're willing to um, deal with all the highs and lows of that, that purpose as you fulfill it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I also think that's absolutely true. It all starts with the why, the big why. I really believe that without knowing why we do anything, we generally do not do it well. You don't do it with, you know, zest. You don't get feel fulfilled in it. We see this every day in, in very common things. And one of the other questions that is very much in line with this one is this, you know, question that cultures change over time. You know, the thing that we are fighting for today might become irrelevant in a couple of years. So why bother advocating for these things?
2: Um, I would definitely say it comes back down to, to purpose, right? Like, does it matter to you in the moment? Even if it's going to, you know, go away within time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we still have to live it while it's here. And if it matters to you, then you stand up for it. And you fight for it, and you do what it is that you think is best to ensure that we receive a different, um, a different outcome. Mm. You know, everything that I I've been advocating for with my platform, those are things that in a couple of years could change based on laws or based on um, you know just our new generation of thinkers having a different mindset and you know, teaching others differently or um, having children and and raising their children differently. But right now it's important and right now it really matters. And so I'm gonna talk about it. And later on there'll be new issues that matter. And if it affects the people that I wanna focus on, then I'll talk about that too. Mm -hmm. It's all about just adapting. I think like things are inevitably gonna change but How can you make a difference right now?
0: Yeah. And and talking about culture, you know, just as with almost everything, different climes have different cultures. Now, there are some countries, some environments where advocacy gets you into trouble. And in these environments, you do not have safety, your family you can't guarantee their safety there are just these political restrictions that have, that make you that make it so hard to really speak up for you know oppression so why should someone who in this toxic environment where if you speak up today you're locked up tomorrow why should you keep speaking up and especially in such environments where Regardless of what happens to the past adv- um, advocate the community, the general community that they are fighting for do not do anything about their disappearance or their unlawful arrest and things like that. So why bother? Why bother if nobody really seems interested in the changes that you are fighting for? And, you know, justice isn't even served when you get into trouble or when you should when you deserve justice yeah so why should you bother
2: yeah it's a big question to unpack and i also believe if i if i had the honest true answer to it that i would have finally waved my hand across the world's circumference and cast that spell of revolution Mm -hmm. um and ending one of the the many challenges that our world faces due to different forms of government and when we're talking about forms of government those are really um, they're bigger than than us as individuals and so it's it's hard to really give a a right answer if that makes sense but if i'm piggybacking if i'm piggybacking off of some of the insight i've given earlier in the interview i would say don't speak your truth to enforce change a lot of the time when we see um, people advocating and then it resulting in unlawful arrest. It's usually because it was done in a manner that's very um, very strong and, and I would say like powerful and sort of in a way to enforce change rather than just speaking your truth to engage new passionate and critical thinkers in hopes that they'll hear you and use what they are learning from what you're saying as a guide to make decisions with that wise mind that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like, why should you keep doing it? um, Even though it sometimes results in unlawful arrest and and people still not supporting your, what it is that you believe is true. That just comes back to those highs and lows, right? Is, is what you believe in and what you want to see changed in the world, something that you're willing to, to, you know, allow to make you or break you kind of thing. It's not always gonna be um, a perfectly paved path. Sometimes there's gonna be gravel, sometimes there's gonna be mud, um, and you just have to be willing to, to tread those paths and to deal with the consequences, whether they're positive or negative. Okay. And I know that that's hard when we're talking about being up against forms of government because there's so much power. Yeah. Um, but that truly that, I mean, that just goes to show just how much work we have to do and why, whether forms of government will change over time or not, why it's important right now to be doing the work and to be speaking our truth and hoping to engage those people that are going to um, listen and learn and make a difference.
0: And how do, how do we engage them, you know, to, how do we get them to really listen? How do you really engage them? And yeah, I
2: mean, earlier we talked a little bit about community, right? So if you can gather many people who believe in, in your, you know, in your truth or what it is that you want to advocate for, I would say rallying as a, as a group, as a community and, and speaking about it, or really just talking to people who actually want to listen. You know, there are people who don't necessarily always agree with your beliefs, but they're willing to hear you out. Mm -hmm. And they can take from what you say some important points and sometimes they adapt that they, they adopt those beliefs. Right. And if someone's not willing to listen and someone's not willing to adopt those beliefs, then like we said earlier, you move on, you go to someone who's willing to listen, don't waste your time. Just accept that not everybody's going to always agree with you. Um, But if you can keep believing that someone will, that's going to, it's going to keep you moving forward and hopefully um, get the change that you want to see happen.
0: Yeah, interesting. So I, I want to say something, and I'd like to know your thoughts on it because, you know, talking about engaging with a community, getting people who are like-minded to work with. Now, in this, I'm going back to this culture of political oppression we're talking about, and I I imagine cases where even the community is absent, right? So you do not have that backing. And usually one of the fuels for, you know, advocates is that they have people who, if they leave today, someone else can take that place and keep on fighting. Now, if you don't see that, or there are chances that, once you're done, once you disappear or once you're you know, unlawfully killed by the government or arrested everyone stops fighting and the comment I want to make is I suppose that perhaps your fight is just the beginning of something that might not be continued now but continues in the long future like in the far future so but it's how motivating can you really be to keep on working when you know that even after you work now and something happens to you and you don't have the community of course we're talking about in the absence of community you disappear and the next work continues in maybe 50 years time or 100 years and I I personally feel like that's sufficient right but then there is going to be a whole gap a whole um, a couple of years where things are not different, things are not better. So I just want to know your thoughts on, you know, this long-term effect of your action from, you know, decades, years ago. Yeah. I
2: would say, so I want to I wanna take this from two different, um, two different angles. The first one is I want to say we see this a lot um, in our history books, sort of. When we look at revolutionary leaders who kind of went under the radar and did things that really were impactful and really mattered for Something that's now that's now happening right like something that is now being spoken about and we see the work that they've done and the things that they have said we, we see a lot of like quotations right And those things are significant and they're powerful and they just go to show why it's important that change happen because you can see just how long there's been an issue. And so I I would hold on to that with just this idea that anything and everything that you do, whether there's a, a gap in time or not, it means something. And as long as you're, you know, making an impactful um, difference while you can it's go- it's going to last and it's going to be something that future generations use to to fight for change when the time comes for them to fight for those changes if that makes sense
0: yeah definitely and then out-
2: and then outside of that i would say <laughs> on like a mental health perspective
0: mm-hmm.
2: and one thing that keeps me grounded in the work that i've been doing is to be mindful So if you're not being mindful, when I think of myself, I'm either too far on, you know, we're looking at like a spectrum, right? And there's depression on one side and there's anxiety on the other.
0: Mm.
2: And then in the middle, we're being mindful, right? We're living in the moment. If we're too far on the spectrum and with depression, then we're very, we're very down. um, We're very unmotivated. We don't see the value in, in, standing up for what we believe in right and then if we're on the spectrum we're too far in anxiety then we're thinking too future we're thinking what if something happens to me we're living in fear we're thinking is what i'm doing even worth it what if if i drop dead today or tomorrow will this will this even live on right but that is what we call anxiety and anxiety can prevent us from doing some really valuable things in our lives because we're fearing something that's not actually there, right? We're making this up, we're catastrophizing. And so I would say what, what keeps me advocating, even though something could happen to me any moment is being in the moment and knowing that right now what I do counts for something. If I interview an individual who gets to share their story, and at the end of sharing their story they say i feel like i have begun my healing process or that was a really beautiful way for me to cope or you know i've never actually processed in that way it was, that was powerful i'm like i'm thinking to myself when that individual says that i've just made a freaking difference like this individual is not going to share that with other people before something happens to me i'm going to post this interview um and and so that's what matters right like in the moment what are you doing let's not think too far in the future and let's not think too far in the past if we're too far in the past we're we're sad we're depressed we're down we we're not hopeful and if we're too far in the future then we're anxious we're fearing something that's not actually there and so again just in the moment be mindful what are you doing right now to make a difference
0: i actually find that immensely profound and particularly because I have recently been in a place as well where in a place of anxiety I would say you know about the future as well and I got to read this book this I think it's very common really this um how to stop worrying and start living by Dale Carnegie and I it has really shaped my mindset on how I see the things I'm currently working on, and you know, being patient with myself as well about where I'm going to, and being focused on what matters now, and also realizing, understanding. I would say, not realizing because I think I know I realized this a long time ago that you know, every day is a really new day, every day you wake up could be the last even, but it's understanding that. If every day is a new day, it means that for that day, you have to live, we have to live our best. We have to give our best to everything we come across, to everyone we come across. We have to make sure that, and not anxiously anyway, but just make sure that we are living a life that is, you know, fully grounded in, in not just pleasure, but being there, showing up for other people and being at ease with ourselves. And I am really glad that you touched on mindfulness because it also goes into the next thing I want to talk about which is on self-advocacy. How do you think that we can show up for ourselves individually?
2: I would say, you know, our life experiences shape who we are and the many obstacles that we're gonna face on our journey. And when we're thinking about showing up for ourselves, I would say taking on the most demanding challenge there is, which is the responsibility of the healing um, that needs to happen after those life experiences, especially when those life experiences were not always a choice for you. If you're going to advocate for yourself, you're going to show up and you're gonna make the decision to best support yourself in your healing journey. I think the truth is that, you know, advocating for yourself means that the things that you do for yourself, especially while you're on the journey of healing are not gonna always be things that others agree with. And so this kind of is touching on even the advocacy we've talked about, you know, in your community too, Making the decision that you know is best for you, whether people agree with it or not, um, is gonna be the most important thing. not living up to others' ideas of how you should journey through your life and how you should decide which path you walk down. If you're not advocating for yourself, then you're truly living an unfair an unfair journey, right? You're like you're not actually doing what it is that you want to do. You're doing what others want. And that's just, in my opinion, the epitome epitome of submission. You know, like, how do you want to live your life? Do you actually want to submit yourself to others? Or do you want to do what's best for you? I think it takes a lot of courage to say and do things that matter to you, even if others do not agree. And so I hope that if listeners leave with anything today, it's just to do what it is that you believe in um, and know how powerful that is.
0: And, and, yeah, I, I want to say a lot, but let me just say this. Based on what you just said right now, what if what you believe in is harmful to others and you do not recognize that it is harmful to others? How how do you just live in that way, you know? Um,
2: this may be a very this may be an answer that you probably expect from me, but I think that every, everyone should be in therapy. I truly believe in the power of talking to someone who is unbiased, who's gonna unpack all of your just complex situations and help you to realize what it is that is harmful and what it is that's helpful in your life. Um, I truly believe that we live our lives and our behaviors and our thoughts and our feelings are from our life experiences. And you're right, sometimes the things that we do, the thoughts that we have, um, those are not always healthy and they're not always helpful to other people. And so I think it's really important to have someone in your life who is unbiased and who's going to not tell you what it is that you're doing wrong, because you'll find a lot of people in life will tell you what it is that's harmful, but someone who will sit down with you and help you unpack those things and, and ask you questions for you to self-discover what it is that's, that's harmful. And, and then we'll, we'll walk through your journey with you and help you to heal and help you to come up with ways to cope and heal through those things so that you don't see what is, what is commonly, you know, we, we hear generational trauma all the time, right? How can you prevent that from happening? I think that you can unpack the, the stuff that you've been through, all the complex situations um, and realize what is going to serve you and what's not going to serve you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I really like that. And, and you know, some people might still say that they do not have people that they can talk to or, you know, help them flesh out the you know, toxic side of what's actions they might be carrying out but i think it's really about being intentional first it starts with being intentional knowing that everything not everything we do is necessarily right and it just and being intentional knowing first knowing helps you know also where to find the right people it could be i I know i believe we all have communities somehow it could be one friend it could be you know Face communities it could be school communities anything at all and yeah so just in case anyone is saying that they do not have the community I believe we all do and it really just starts with being intentional being deliberate about choosing to uh, not let out any toxicity whatsoever any harm through your actions to others and I appreciate what you say about sharing of yourself and what what that really means is, you know, knowing that everyone is not going to agree with you. And I also agree that that's a first step for starting, for just being comfortable with everything that you feel like people are going to judge you for. And yeah, I am thankful that you did share that. And this is, we've talked a lot about advocating for others. And then we've talked about advocating for ourselves as individuals. I am curious because as advocates, you know, showing up for others pretty much has to be draining. And what I've always wondered is who shows up for you as the advocate, right? Who shows up for you? Yeah, so I, I, I want to hear your story. So who shows up for you, Deja?
2: Um, so really quickly, actually, on what it is that you wrapped up the last question with, I think that what you're saying about being intentional is truly powerful. I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've learned through my journey is that a lot of the time, even if my intention is is wholeheartedly not to to hurt someone or inflict any kind of pain or judgment, the impact is not always what my intention was. And so I would say with that, living your life intentionally, yes, but being willing to look in the mirror and, and be honest with yourself. Was your impact what you had initially intended it to be? Or was your impact the opposite of that? And then being able to also hear other people's side of things, right? Like if they say that your impact was harmful, being able to accept that and tell yourself that their feelings are valid and that their experiences are valid. And how could you have reworded or how could you have changed your actions? So that way they could have actually mirrored what you intended intended them to be. So... Yeah, I just wanted to add to that cuz I feel like a lot of the time we live our life so well-intentioned that we think that we're we're not it's not possible for us to make it a a mistake. But if we actually hear people out and we ask them what what the impact was of what we have done or what we said, sometimes that can look different from what we had anticipated it would look like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that that's even from like unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. right? There's things that, that we do in our lives that we don't even realize we're doing because of that unconscious bias. So yeah, I would say, you know, well-intentioned, live your life well-intentioned, but also be willing to look in the mirror. Um, and then also be willing to be vulnerable with people and hear how it impacted them.
0: Mm.
2: And then your question around, um, who shows up for me, I would say I, I have a lot. I have many mentors in my life, including um, the one I mentioned earlier, Hillary Bash. She's still in my life. So I would say I've just taken on the responsibility of going to the people who I know love and care about me when I need them and then talking to them and, and sharing with them what it is that I'm experiencing or what it is that I have questions about and most of the time because they love and care about me they, they're there for me they show up for me and they they walk me through things or help me um sort through my thoughts and and then again i i go to therapy so if i ever need any kind of like unbiased opinions my therapist typically shows up for me in that way
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right that's interesting uh, I'm definitely sure that, well, it does depend on the client anyway. And and um, for some people, some people really struggle with finding mentors, in quotes. And what I like to say about finding mentors, because I have also been there, you know, actively searching for mentors. What I really found quickly was that, a mentor doesn't have to be close per se. It could be someone who you learn from afar as well. This is for people who really struggle with the idea of finding mentors. I don't think mentors are things to be found. I think there are people that you recognize and somehow if you happen to be have a close relationship with them, awesome. But if you don't, then you learn from afar and but learning from afar comes with a lot of self-will you have to really have self-will for you to be able to take action and get things done and also I, I believe that a really great form of mentorship is also from books and that's one part that we easily disregard because I, I really appreciate books because it are things that have been written over for some books I mean centuries and years and you learn things that are happening right now. You learn that things aren't really new. So the experiences that seem so new have been felt before, have happened before. And there are things that you can learn from. Yeah, so I am deeply grateful for, for this session, for this time, for this conversation. And I'm thankful for your time, Deja. But well, before I let you go, I just want to know if you have any more thing to say. Uh, I just want to say, like,
2: um the last piece that you just said, I think that books are amazing. And I also think that you don't have to have a person close to you to, um, to be mentored by them. I think a lot of the time people are a phone call away or a direct message on Instagram away and and just take advantage of what you do have in your life and and do your best to use those as a, a force to be moved forward yeah I like what you said
0: yeah and you know you just said an Instagram DM away and that was funny because I recall that and this is something I recently just learned actually this year that people are willing to help out but you have to be willing to ask for help otherwise no one really know you need the help and for me i've gotten help through dms as well and it's just been incredible to me like i wouldn't expect the respond the positive responses i mean i've had some no's, i've had some silences but i've also gotten people willingly share their journey with me share their story with me and At the first time that happened, I was literally very surprised, but it was an eye-opener, you know, seeing that people are willing to help, just as much as you are also willing to help, because um, sometimes we think that we are so kind to others, but no one is kind to us, and that's really not true. It It just takes trying, knowing where to check, knowing who to ask, and just trying, basically, and definitely I believe that someone would respond to that. So Deja, thank you so much for your time and thank you for everything that you have shared today. I am living here with four things, which, is, which are having a set purpose, you know, and having the right community, also being mindful, and working with courage these are for me they'll call them these are the four key deja elements for advocacy both for self and for causes. and i really am going to take this um to heart and meditate on them and you know just leave and see how i can apply this so i'm really grateful that you spent almost an hour with me i i read not take it for granted thank you so much and have a wonderful day
2: thank you, I have a day you. and thank you for allowing me to have a space on your platform
0: thank you yeah
1: You're thank you for listening to this episode of strange view The show about our social culture, behavior, and how connected we are as humans. Here, I chat with insightful individuals to share stories and explain concepts that can help improve our social culture. The show is recorded remotely using Zoom and bypassing the network glitches. I'm your host, Etta Shalinto, and you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Etta Shalinto. If you enjoy this podcast, would you please consider leaving a short review and sharing it with a friend? It takes less than 60 seconds and really does make a difference in helping others find the show as well. Also, if you'd like to get snippets of new episodes, use the link on the show notes or the link on any one of my social media platforms to subscribe to my newsletter where I share snippets of new episodes right before they are released. Until next time, enjoy your life.